0: Indiana post game, SEC bias, and the Italian Snossage makes a triumphant return. All that next on Dot in the Eye with Davis and Chad. What's up Buckeye Nation and welcome to Dot in the Eye with Davis and Chad and we are coming to you after a nice victory
1: 54-7 Buckeyes. What do you think Davis? Well uh, I think it's actually kind of what we predicted to happen um, but Wait minute, well, not... it's what I predicted to happen. Okay well, so you were closer to the bet. Say it uh, again. Not the bet but I'm sorry our score predictions. Yes okay again. well listen the last two weeks you've actually done really good with your score predictions so I'll give you that. Mine has just been maybe a little more hesitant that as we continue to maybe up the opponents that we're playing, seeing what this defense is really about. And I I still have a high confidence in the offense. Um, Obviously didn't expect it to be a rain game. And I think even considering that, that 54-7 is even more impressive. But um, realistically, I mean, it it went really well according to what we thought it would. But I think it still kind of exceeded expectations.
0: Yeah, I, I think any time that you go on the road in the Big Ten at night on national television and blow somebody out that way, I mean, you have to consider that you know exceeding expectations. You can't expect that in the Big Ten. I mean, as, as much as you want to say, okay, maybe the Big Ten's having an up year or a down year, it's still Big Ten football. And, you know, you're not going to go out on the road at night and blow everybody out in this league. So you have to consider anything this big, this margin of victory this big, you have to consider that and you know exceeding expectations no doubt
1: yeah and given the the game conditions okay and i know i keep talking about this rain game but i think that's something that gets completely understated because no one really realizes what it's really like to play in a game like that and to have such ball control i mean ohio state didn't have a single turnover or even put the ball on the ground now in indiana fumbled it three times they recovered all three times, but. relatively speaking, I mean, for what that was, I mean, that was a really clean game in that kind of weather. And we saw very minimal drops um, by the receivers. I mean, only one notable one I can even remember was a Garrett Wilson, but he turned right back around on the next play and got the third down conversion. So I'm really pleased with how well we played. And I'm actually surprised that, you know, even as the rain kind of kept coming down there, Ryan Day didn't seem to deviate away from his plan going into this game. Well, no, you know, I don't
0: think you can, especially, you know, especially like we talked about on the road in the Big Ten. I think he had a game plan instilled based on what he saw on film, and I'm sure, you know, that that was stuck in their head and they went out there to execute that game plan. You know, screw the weather. I don't care if it's snowing, raining, whatever. But one of the things I wanted to say was that, um, you know, if I had one critique about this game, it would be that, you know, I think we need to clean up some of the penalties. A little bit disappointed in the amount of penalties we had. And, you know, Indiana only had one penalty
1: for the entire game. Yeah, that's true. I mean, we we still had I think five penalties for 40 yards, which I mean, it's averaging less than 10, so they're not critical ones, and I'd rather have those penalties more in the defense than the offense because I hate when the offense gets the penalties and they're kind of getting, you know, back behind the sticks and making it a little bit hard to convert and killing out stats. I mean, even up through the first handful of drives in this we were in some crazy run where we had had what 19 out of nineteen drives with cj Stroud as the quarterback were ended up in touchdowns i mean I'm sorry like people like say oh well the competition wasn't that good i don't care how easy the competition uh, competition is do you realize how difficult it is to be to go on a streak like that that's got to be some sort of record when you think it is but i will say this you know i've been listening to a lot of uh,
0: talk radio since then and people bringing up interesting points and one of the things they brought up is that we even we haven't even played a defense in the big 10 that's in the top half of the big 10
1: yet well yeah we did indiana is no they're not they're in the bottom. Indy- half. Uh, now they have a good pass defense well you saw what they oh, okay We're forgetting about the run defense there's an average of those two we got what we wanted passing and running relatively with ease we made them look worse than Rutgers.
0: well that's an that's attributed though to the kind of team Ohio state has though. That's not a tribute. I'm not saying just because you're ranked in the top half of the defense or the bottom half of the defense. Ohio state's not going to do what they want to you at will. What I'm saying is that we have not faced anyone even near the top of statistics in the big 10 for defense. We have.
1: Right. And I mean, that's still, I mean, it's, that's your Penn state. That's your team up North and that's Michigan state. Um, obviously. And I think Purdue's actually up there too, if I'm not mistaken. So we're definitely going to, over the four to the next five games, we're going to be facing really good defenses. Now, I think we might see a little bit drop in offensive production, but I, I still feel like we're going to get 40 on all those teams. Like, I don't see how we, we get kept off the scoreboard. Like, that, um, that Oregon game, I mean, that's our lowest scoring game of the season at 28 points, and we still had 612 yards of offense. We just couldn't cash them in when we needed to. So I feel really confident that we're not going to drop below 40 the rest of the year. I don't know, man. That's hard for me to say. It really is.
0: I feel like as as much as I believe in this team and I believe in this offense, there's always the turf monster waiting to snack you somewhere. Like I just feel like that. We can come out flat like we have many times in big games and just stub our toe. I mean, we could. I I could see us ending a game with 35 points. I could all day long.
1: I feel like that game already happened. I feel like that was our Oregon game this year. Well, I may not be the only one, though. Honestly, we normally don't throw more than one stinker out there every year. I mean, that's been pretty consistent uh, over the last handful of seasons, and it just so happens that it was an earlier consider, game.
0: See, but see where we're at? I don't consider 35 points a stinker. We we win 35-17. I consider that a solid win.
1: Well, I consider it more of a stinker compared to what type of offense we have right now, and especially with C.J. Stroud looking not only like you know, a world-beater already, but he's looking insanely good lately. Insanely good. Now, again, I understand the competition hasn't been as good, and he's going to run into his issues, but, I mean, he's dropping dimes in there right now that, you know, you're looking at this guy and, like, where, where did this guy come from? Like, apparently, we're now seeing what the coaches and what the players all saw in spring ball and in practice and everything leading up to it. So, I really feel like anything short of 40 points a game you know, unless we're playing that elite, elite team, it is going to be a little bit of a downer, in my opinion. I mean, yeah, I can see that, but uh, I will say this: I, I think we're going to get a true test
0: this week, Penn State at home. Um, as as much as I know, Penn State's down; they got two consecutive losses, you know, in a row here, and the last one really hurt, especially with the nine overtime, you know, thing. And who God? Who wants to lose to Illinois? But anyway, what I'm saying is their pass defense is pretty good now I I could see Travion Henderson running all over them, but their pass defense is pretty good so I think it's going to be a nice test to see exactly what he can do can he oppose his will
1: against a really good pass defense I agree with that and we're going to get into that but while you mentioned the subject can we get on this new overtime rule and get your take on it now I have two ways that I'm kind of leaning on this new overtime rule. Like, obviously, that LSU-Texas A&M matchup, when it was like 75-72 with like seven overtimes several years ago, was one of the reasons why I think they made this change, because they don't want this game going on for that long. Um, You know, we don't want these players getting hurt and beat up, and this game at lasting five hours long. But I like the new setup, but it also feels more lucky than skill is involved in overtime kind of like penalty kicks in soccer kind of like you know you go that entire game and you're playing normal football that entire game and then all of a sudden you get to overtime and if you get to that third overtime then it's just it's penalty kicks i mean it's luck of the draw i mean you got one play one play only and go i like it on one aspect because it's exciting and it's more quick pace but at the same time i mean i hate that it's more of a coin flip dude i couldn't have said it any better i feel exactly like you said
0: I would love but, to disagree with you on this point, but I can't. There's really well that, nothing I have to well say. Well, that's
1: boring. <laughs> it's
0: super boring. I, I wasn't
1: trying to get a rally to you. That's really how I feel about it. Because as I watched I it, it I was riveted. I was sit. I was sitting on the TV, and I was highly entertained. But at the same time, I was like, God, can anyone convert a two-yard play? Like, are you kidding me? Oh, one of the things I wanted to ask you, though, was that
0: I kind of noticed something during this game, and I wonder how you felt about it. All right? Now we know, you know, leading, leading this, this, uh, this game as far as receivers go was uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba. Okay, he had six receptions, 99 yards, but he didn't have a touchdown. But he had the most catches of the mm-hmm. game. And behind him was Ruckert, who ended up having two touchdowns on the game. Glad to see him get in it, though. Yeah, absolutely. But my question to you is this. Do you think that as this season has gone on, because all we've done is talk about Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson, Do you think as a season has gone on, do you think that Jackson Smith and Jigba is slowly emerging
1: as the favorite reliable target for CJ Stroud? Yes and no. I would agree. Yes. In the fact that obviously the stats don't lie, he's getting targeted quite a bit. Uh, But I think it's also a combination of the fact that both Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave are going to get double teamed or they're going to get a lot of focus from the primary uh, DBs and, uh, you know, they're going to game plan to try to shut them down. The problem is you can't shut down three. You can kind of shut down two. You can definitely shut down one, right? And if you got three different options there, then what typically is going to happen? Someone's going to get left, and the one that's going under the radar is Jackson Smith and Jigba. And I think something else that, else that works in his favor is that, he, you know, he primarily plays the slot. And I think in this offense, uh that's generally – uh a position on the field that is going to get a lot of targets. I mean, if you think about KJ uh, Hill several years back with uh, Dwayne Haskins, right? And I think he even played uh, the last year, was it with uh, uh, Justin Fields? I might be mistaken. I I get a little mixed up there. But KJ Hill is way up there in regards to stats on Ohio State's overall leaderboard with wide receivers. And he played a lot of that slot position. So I really believe that in this system, That's why he's getting targeted a lot as well. But that's why more of your home run hitters uh, and more of your third down reliable guys is going to be your Olave and your Wilson. And this wasn't a game where they really needed to, you know, weigh heavily on Olave and Wilson. So it might even have been more of a focus to get Jackson Smith and Jigba the ball a little bit more this game, especially as it went on, just to try to continue to get him to develop and, give something defenses have to look at to maybe help open up something else in the future. While I agree with the fact that,
0: you know, it would have something to do with the defensive scheme we're running, you know, whether or not, you know, they're running like a cover three and we've got, we're worried about getting in the seams or, you know, what they're giving us. If they're running a cover two and we can put more stuff inside, it just depends on exactly what they're giving us. I do agree. But for some reason, dude, I just, I have this feeling like, you know, I feel like they've kind of come through it together. Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave are, in a sense, quote-unquote, the old guard, okay? They've been there. They've played with other quarterbacks. They've had success. You know, Jackson Smith and Jigba and him, I feel like they're kind of shining. They're coming up on their shine at the same time. Mm -hmm. And I think that that combination, especially next year, is going to be invaluable to this team. And I just feel like that chemistry is slowly building, and I feel like I see it every week. I started to look back at the stats, and I'm like, man, you know, every week it's like, Olave might have seven catches this week, but next week he's got two. And same thing with Wilson. But then you look every week, and Jigba's always got, you know, between three to eight catches. He's always right. right there at the top. And I always yep. wonder, you know, is that chemistry
1: with the defensive scheme? Or, you know, it just feels that way to me. I, I don't think it's like chemistry, like oh, Jackson Smith and Jigba, me and him mesh the best, so I'm gonna deliver the ball the best to him. I mean, he's got his reads, he understands where the ball is supposed For to go. Every,
0: that's what it should be though. I think he's vibing uh, what, with them all. I Tom mean, Brady if, 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 you, if you listen to
1: the most recent quote that Olave gave out is just that C.J. Stroud's got a special arm talent, that he's going to put the ball where you need it, and it's up to us from there to make the play. He literally just quoted that earlier this week. So it's nothing that I think he's not vibing with Olave or Wilson or anything crazy like that. So sure. you don't think that there's a bigger chemistry between between Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski than anybody else on that team. Well, that but that one's obvious. I mean, they've been together forever. Like that's, what I'm that's saying not a is fair that comparison. I
0: think it's starting to come that way. I
1: think I feel it, dude. I I don't I really think do. there's a problem, even if that is the case. I mean, no, we're it's so not a problem. stupid starting a wide receiver it. right now. It's ridiculous. I mean, even you know, quote unquote, some garbage time, we're really starting to see Abuka as a wide receiver get into the game and make plays, and then we finally see Marvin Harrison Jr. Good lord, did you see the spin movie put on that person? I mean, that was you straight out of I've Braxton Miller's handbook, right there. That was I've straight out of Braxton waiting. Miller's handbook. First right of there. all, Braxton Miller's a turd, but there's. Don't you dare. Yeah. On, <laughs> listen, there's lines you don't cross. You know it. Don't cross that.
0: <laughs> but I know, I really do <laughs> agree with you on most of your stuff. But I, you know, I like to play the part of. Wrong. I do think that there's a
1: chemistry there. Like, <laughs> Before, I thought
0: there was between Olave and Justin Fields. They had a special connection. There I agree last with year. that.
1: Okay, I agree. I, I see where you're coming from. I agree with you. It seems like he clicks the most with Jackson Smith and Jigba, that they're definitely on the same page. And you see a few times where maybe Wilson's dropped the ball he should have caught. Even a few times this year, Olave's dropped a few balls that normally he would catch. But it seems like almost every single time that thing goes to Jackson Smith and Jigba, he's not dropping the ball. Now, I think it's not a big deal, and I don't think it's an obvious thing, but I definitely see where you're coming from that I guess that can kind of be the trend. But that's going to work in our favor. Yeah, absolutely. Because if he continues to get the ball, they're going to have to really start paying attention to him, and that's going to help sure up and make it easier to get the ball to Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. I mean, having that three-headed monster, and Jackson Smith and Jigma is probably the most underrated wide receiver, not just for what he's doing on the field, but for the fact that because he is doing this – it has got to make it a nightmare for defensive coordinators to figure out how are we going to stop all three of these guys. Yeah, because
0: depending, I mean, you know, with Olave and Garrett Wilson, you're talking about a deep threat, so you're switching your defense up, maybe to three deep or four deep, trying to keep everything in front of you. But then at the same point in time, you do that, you get burned by Jigla or you get burned right. by Travion Henderson. You know, so there's there's so many weapons on Ohio State's defense that you put, can't possibly stop them all which is what I think that teams are going to have a heck of a time with this offense going forward. I don't care what they're ranked. That's that's to you, Alabama.
1: Definitely. Now, listen, we spent a lot of time talking about this offense. Uh, I want to at least have a moment before we move on to at least bring up the defense in this game. And I will at least preface this and say that I understand Indiana's not the best offensive team, especially since Michael Penix has not been the starting quarterback lately. And since, obviously, Jack Tuttle has struggled – And we even hurt him early in the, uh, actually after that first drive. And from that point on, they were constantly juggling new people in there. So they were discombobulated from the get go. I knew that they were going to be struggling and it helped us to tee off. But still, I mean, after that first drive, I saw the stat. It was crazy after that first drive, you know, they had went 75 yards scored a touchdown. Um, we finished the first half giving up 40 total yards of offense. So we literally put them at like almost negative 30 some yards after that first drive for the entire first half. Like even as bad as your offense may be with a different quarterback, that's insane, isn't it? To almost, you know, for a quarter and a half keep someone at negative yards. Yeah. Uh
0: you know, Indiana finished with 128 total yards. Yeah, and that's terrible.
1: I mean, when given, you're talking
0: about one play being 75, yes it is.
1: Yeah, for that means literally for Two and a, or three and a half quarters, we gave up a total of 50 yards of offense. That's insane. Yeah, it is insane.
0: I'll put it like this. Depending on how Clifford plays in the coming week, I think, like I said, dude, I really think as much as this is an Indiana post game, I really think next week is really, to me, where we're going to find out. Is right. Clifford healthy? If he is, then you know what I mean? Well, Things are going to be. It's our,
1: it's our first ranked opponent since Oregon is the first thing. Um, there's a lot of steam that got taken out of this and probably one of the biggest reasons why game day is going to was Ann Arbor. Is that where the game's at for? I haven't team, even looked. Team of store, Michigan state, but the uh, game day is going there, which I mean, they're both unbeaten and ranked. I get it. But I think had Penn state won that game and still been inside the top 10 game day would be going to Ohio state. Who do you want to win that game? Uh, see, listen, I listen, I would always, always don't want the team up North to do well. And I'm even that person that, even if it benefits Ohio State in some way, I still can't root for them. So that's always going to be my vibe going forward. Now, the one time that I was extremely happy about uh, a misfortune for the team at North was that 2015 season, if you recall, when they had that same matchup and the team at North was winning at the end of the game and went for the punt and fumbled it. And Michigan State picked it up and ran it for a touchdown. Well, that ended up being the same season that – They had one loss, Michigan State had one loss, and we ended up losing to them, and they got the tiebreaker, went to the Big Ten championship game, and went to the playoff, the year that we really should have went back. So that's literally one time that the team up north losing, and it burned us bad. But screw the team up north. Don't want them to win. To me, I think, you know, if you take the hate for Michigan out of it, if you take the rivalry out of it, how do you do that? Eye you. How do you do that? I can't. It's like in my blood. I hate them. I won't I'm like Woody Hayes. If I have to drive through that state, I'll try my best not to stop and get gas. You know what <laughs> I mean? And I agree.
0: Because you're of the old guard, you're of the old school, because you and I were alive at a time where we remember what it was like to lose to Michigan. And a lot of people, these young kids today, don't know that feeling. They so don't even know that. the
1: name Bianca Batuca That like was a nightmare name because he ran rollovers for what 270 some yards back 20 yeah. some years ago like
0: i still don't get it. will they on doesn't for throwing a heisman pose i mean there's there's many things i could go back to on that
1: mm-hmm. but
0: at the same point in time when i look at this thing from a bird's eye view i'm looking down on it and i go okay if i just think about what is the best thing for ohio state what is the best thing for Ohio state is it best for michigan state to beat them And then we go on and, you know, play a ranked Michigan State team and, and, you know, for or if Michigan wins, do they stand defeated till the end of the year? And then we play them at the end of the season. And honestly, for a minute there, I thought maybe the team up north winning would be a positive thing for us to play them at the end of the year. But now I'm not so sure, because I think if Michigan State beats the team up north, they're going to jump in the rankings. And I think that that's going to be a key matchup for us. So I really don't think it matters
1: which way it goes. I agree. I don't, I don't think at the end of the day it's really going to matter. I mean, if you really wanted to split hairs, I think it's probably more important that the team up north wins that game just because they're always going to be viewed as a better team overall than Michigan State just based on their name and history. Um, but then again, Michigan's not – I keep saying Michigan. The, then again, the team up north uh, has really not done anything what in the last – handful of years at least Michigan State's made it to the playoff at least Michigan State's won the Big Ten um in recent memory so I don't know I I agree with you I think it could go either way and I don't think it's really going to affect um Ohio State one way or the other I'm still a firm believer that with what we have in front of us if we can continue to run the table I think we still control our own destiny
0: I think we might control our own destiny I'm not ready to say we control our own destiny yet because well, since you're like on that, some you bring, up, people, hey,
1: bring up the rankings since you're on that? Because I know that's something that's been on your mind. What's on my mind is Alabama.
0: Because, you know what, you guys that listen to this show are Ohio State fans. And I'm sure that people that don't listen to this show or are Alabama fans and listen to the show or SEC fans are going
1: to. Unless me you're unless you're an Iowa State fan.
0: We don't care about you that way. If you no, are but I know. all i know is this much you know if you beat oklahoma state and have to rush the field obviously you shouldn't have a football team <laughs> that's all i'm saying but anyway uh moving on here plus
1: you still lose to the the real iowa team that's in the big 10 anyways so i mean true what kind of team are you in that aspect but anyways moving on so did you look at the ap I did. As a matter of fact, it's really hard to miss it considering I have like a million notifications set up on my phone through ESPN that's going to tell me if someone dropped a ketchup packet at the nearest McDonald's, they're going to freaking post about it and I'm going to get a notification.
0: (laughs) Okay, so for those of you that don't know, okay, when they came out this week, Georgia was number one, Cincinnati held steady at number two, Alabama jumps Oklahoma to move into the third spot. Oklahoma's number four, Ohio State five, the team up north six, Oregon seven, Michigan State eight, Iowa is at nine, and uh, Ole Miss is at ten. Good old, the fighting lane, Kiffin's at ten. Okay, Mm -hmm. so the most interesting thing I saw here was, well, two things really. Oregon jumped three spots to land at number seven, okay? So now they're behind Michigan and Ohio State. But the most interesting thing to me was Alabama jumps Oklahoma. Okay, now they both won this week. Neither one was pretty. Okay, for all you Alabama fans out there, you took Tennessee three quarters and it was a game, okay? And then all of a sudden, they come out in the fourth quarter and put some points on. To me, that's not a— The game wasn't as close as the score indicated, exactly. basically. It was not a like a marquee win. Well, I apologize. The
1: game was closer than what the score indicated. That's what I meant to say. I knew what you meant.
0: But Oklahoma didn't have a good game either, particularly, but they won. Neither one of them played a powerhouse team in any way, shape, or form. So I'm not sure what gives What gives the people doing the AP poll the clout to jump Alabama over an undefeated
1: Oklahoma. Can you explain that to me? So this is actually going to piggyback off something I really want to talk about because I'm a big person that gets on Twitter through our account and not that I'm on there interacting or putting messages or anything, but I just like to read people's input. And even though I'm a, you know, I, I follow a lot of Ohio state uh, Twitter accounts. Um, it still require, or I still end up coming across a ton of people that probably follow Ohio state just so they control stuff. But the amount of bias, overall bias that I see and it's always against Ohio State, and it always seems like it's for the SEC. And they will spin the narrative however they want to explain it. Like, for example, obviously we saw that crap show of Oklahoma against Kansas, and they got shut out in the first half. Like, they were down 10-0. And in the second half, they were still down 17-7. And they still put it on, but got some sort of lucky random – Quote unquote, they call it a Heisman moment, which is laughable. It literally, he was in the right place, right time, somehow pulled the ball out, got the first down. Not saying Kansas would have won the game had they been stopped, uh, had Oklahoma been stopped on that fourth down play, but you've got to be kidding me, man, that somehow Oklahoma took some sort of positive out of that game. Now, obviously, the voters didn't give them a complete pass for that by having an Alabama jump, but how can you tell me that? with what you saw Oklahoma did and with what you saw Alabama did and then with what you saw Ohio state did and then take into account the whole reason they're behind them is for the losses. And then look at Ohio state's loss and look at Alabama's loss. How not only is Alabama ahead of Ohio state, but passing Oklahoma, but Ohio state can't pass them. I don't, I I, I don't understand it. So that goes back to this overall social media bias that I see and it's people nitpicking and turning the narrative around saying, well, Oklahoma's obviously better because we didn't take that L. You got owned by Oregon at your own place, and you want to sit here and tell me about Kansas when we still squeaked out a double-digit victory. Like That's how they spin this stuff online, and it's irritating because they're taking everything out of context, and everyone with freaking eyeballs can see that Oklahoma was horrible in that game, and as a 38-and-a-half-point favorite, to be trailing at the half, not even score a point, that's awful. That's god awful. And if you, with eyeballs, actually watching Ohio State the last handful of weeks and seeing what they're doing, and to sit there and tell me that you think Oklahoma is a better team than Ohio State. Now, if they would have kept Alabama below Oklahoma, then at least I can put my hands up and say, okay, you're still taking into account that Oklahoma is unbeaten, right? And Alabama's loss and Ohio State's loss are somewhat comparable, which they're not really, but they kind of are, I guess. See, um, but you see where I'm coming is, from, right? Yeah, but,
0: but my point is not that I think Oklahoma's a better football team than, than Alabama. I'm not saying that at all. As a matter of fact, I don't feel that way. But my point is this. What happened last week was not enough to jump a team. If you believe Alabama was better than Oklahoma, they should have been ahead of them before last week. I'm sorry. That's the way it was. What happened last week between the two games? What, there was not enough significant difference. Nobody blew anybody out. Nobody played exceptionally well. That is not a moment to jump a team over an undefeated team. Sorry.
1: Yeah. My, the my, my, only my, thing I
0: could see on the other end is that how highly they seem to regard Ole Miss. Ole Miss, if you remember, got shellacked by Alabama and by they 21. dropped down. I think they dropped back. Yeah. They, they dropped back, I think. I want to say maybe five spots.
1: I think they drop back from like twelve to. That's an 17. SEC thing. You're you're not allowed to drop more than five spots if you're in the SEC. Yeah. Because when that loss happens, it's a quality loss. But then slowly check this out. So they rank seventeen. So after that, they play.
0: They they play um Arkansas. Okay, beat them fifty two to fifty one. Okay, so that's a that's a dog fight right there, right? But the they jumped- could have lost the game. Exactly. So they jump up four spots from winning that game by one point. Mm -hmm. Um, Arkansas was ranked like 13th at the time and Ole Miss was 17th. Then they play Tennessee, who's trash barely beat them. But they move up again. They move up another slot. Then they play LSU, who is probably the biggest trash right now in the entire SEC. And they move up again. Two more spots. So now Ole Miss is sitting in the top ten. Okay, with Alabama, of course, a couple slots in front of them. And I think the fact that Alabama's so high is has to do with the regard they have for Ole Miss right now. Ole Miss keeps chugging back up into the top ten. It's almost methodical the way that they're doing
1: it. It's 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 literally crazy. Like anyone with freaking eyeballs that is not an SEC homer can literally sit here and see that the favoritism in rankings that occurs with the sec it's like you lose a game it's a quality win we're not gonna drop you much you win even if they're not ranked well they're not ranked because they play in a rigorous sec schedule where if anyone else was there they would have a worse ranking than that so we assume that this would probably be a ranked team in any other conference so that's still a quality win even though they're not ranked i mean it's stupid i mean ohio state can go out this week upcoming and beat uh penn state by We'll call it 30 points, okay? And instead of that being a huge quality win and really an eye-opener, people are going to be like, "Ah, well, Penn State looked like crap the last handful of games, and maybe they were overrated. That's going to be the narrative. I guarantee you that's going to be the narrative that is put out there. And instead of us having a quality win, and it'll be a ranked win, even though after we beat them they wouldn't be ranked anymore, it's going to be looked more negatively and not as good to help Ohio State out because they're going to find excuses on why we did so good. Mark my words, mark my words. That's going to happen. But then you got Alabama
0: who comes out and plays a Tennessee team. That is absolute trash. They're 500 on the year and they beat them handily. And all of a sudden they're good enough to jump over an undefeated Oklahoma.
1: I just don't see it. That's my problem is what tells you that Alabama did so good that Ohio state didn't, that Alabama deserves to jump Oklahoma that Ohio state didn't like if they would have just kept Alabama behind them, then fine, you know, I would have took it for what it was. But have one jump and the other one, that shows even more of the bias. Now, we sit here and we bitch and moan about these rankings when really these rankings don't mean anything. I mean, they may try to look at them when they're saying who beat who that's ranked uh, when the CFP comes out next Tuesday. But realistically, these rankings don't matter. It's going to be really interesting. And we're probably going to spend a whole episode talking about the CFP rankings when they first come out. So, yes, but I completely disagree.
0: The AP matters 100% because perception is reality like we talk about all the time the people in that room that are voting for the cfp half of them aren't football people some of them are but some of them aren't dude and they're gonna look at these ap rankings and if you look at the
1: last few years the cfp has come out it is very closely mirrored the ap
0: very right. closely
1: and, well who, who do you think has uh, the governing who's the governing body of the cfp it's espn yeah. Is it not? But my point is this. if if the Obviously, AP they poll, want their heard, horses in the ranking there. So exactly. they're going so to if,
0: continue to promote that. But My point is if the AP poll has Alabama 13th, the CFP is not going to come out and put them third. It's not going to happen. But if the AP has them third and then the CFP comes out, they're not going to drop Alabama three spots in the CFP. They're not. So it is. It does matter.
1: To an extent, I understand where you're coming from, and I agree. We could go for hours on this ranking crap. But I think at the end of the day, we're at least both somewhere on the same page. And the fact that there, the bias that we all know is there is still very obviously there. And, you know, I understand this is completely subjective. But it would be nice if somehow there was some sort of unbiased opinion in this. I mean, they claim that, you know, it's supposed to be. But, you know, what kind of bullcrap explanations we get every year when the final CFP comes out. I mean, they don't really fully explain who, why, or what, or anything other than this is just the four we believe are there. If that's the case, then why do we even keep score? If on paper, one team's better than the other, I mean, this is the reason why Cincinnati, in my opinion, is has no chances here unless we have multiple other teams losing. I think if Georgia wins out, they're in. If Georgia wins if, out and Oklahoma loses, they're in. I think if Georgia loses in the SEC championship, they're still in. Are you kidding me? No, no. I said Cincinnati is in. Oh, my bad, my bad, my bad, my yeah, bad. Oh, yeah, Georgia wins and Oklahoma loses, they're in. Uh, as long as Cincinnati continues to look good doing so, I would agree with you. I agree with you completely. And I hope they do.
0: I, I think do too. The, I, I want I them in the there. Best, I think that's dude, the best scenario all the way around. I mean, is listen, it not
1: time? Well, it's more time. than anything, I just don't want to see two freaking SEC teams in there. I, want I don't want to wanna see, see that.
0: But, dude, Cincinnati doesn't even realize the kind of, the kind of burden that they're carrying right now. I guarantee if they, they do they get in.
1: Do. I guarantee they probably do.
0: If they do get in and get shellacked, it's going to mean something going forward. You and I both know it.
1: Well, yeah, they get never, embarrassed. They're
0: never going to let another one in exactly. until it becomes past 14 playoff. Because they've been complaining. All the TCUs, or sorry, you know, all the Boise States and the Houstons and the Cincinnati's have all been complaining for years. That they're not getting their shot. And if they get their shot and get shellacked, then they're not going to get back in. But if they come in and knock off a big dog, that says something,
1: dude, that, that could mean something going forward in the history of college football. It could. All right. And I think the one thing that Cincinnati has working for them is they have, uh, their quarterback Ritter, who's kind of been a little bit of a Heisman candidate. Uh, you know, he's done a lot of special things for that program. I like he's good, Yeah. He's a good run quarterback. He's a decent passing quarterback. Uh, he's a gamer. Um, you know, I, I think that's one thing that's going to help them because they kind of have a little bit more of a household name with him, especially seeing what they, you know, Cincinnati did last year uh, during their season and at, at the during that bowl game against Georgia. Um, I think they have as good a shot as any Group of Five team to ever get in this year, if a team will ever get in in the fourteen playoff. So that's kind of my take on it. Now, speaking of Heisman, um, I know it's still early, and I know Ohio State season is still really backloaded. So a lot can happen, but I'm a little bit surprised in the fact that I really feel like Ohio State, and I'm talking mainly about C.J. Stroud, um, Travion Henderson, and potentially maybe Olave or someone kind of throwing someone in there, um, we're not getting a lot of recognition or notoriety at all yet, in my opinion. I mean, C.J. Stroud's getting talked around a little bit, but still, like the crazy thing I heard the other day, is uh, Williams, the quarterback that uh, came in for Rattler for Oklahoma. I mean, he's played like, what, a game and a half or two and a half games now or something like that? And they literally want to crown this kid the Heisman immediately already from what they've seen and said he's the best quarterback in the country. They said, we've seen what CJ's done, we've seen what Bryce Young's done, but have you seen this kid play? He's unbelievable. Like, well, two how- things here. Number one, we're Ohio
0: State, and that means that everybody hates us. Even the national media. I'm sorry, but that's the truth. Number two, we lost to Oregon. If we would have beat Oregon, I think it would be in a different conversation right now. Even though I'm not saying that that has any bearing at all on the way that C.J. Stroud has played and the 600 yards of offense that we put up against Oregon. But what I'm saying is we've we've lost. And at the end of the day, you and I both know that Heisman candidate is going to come from the number one or number two ranked team in this country at the end of the CFP.
1: Now correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't Alabama lose? Dude, and are you really Bryce having this conversation with still, me? They're well, also Alabama. So is that it? Is, is So it's popular. I understand that Heisman's a popularity contest to an extent, you know, and just like voting your prom king or prom, uh, prom queen, right? We get yes. that. But at some point, you have to realistically look what they're doing on the field. I mean, C.J. Stroud is number one in QBR, okay? So we know he's being super efficient. He's making good choices. Uh, he's in the top 6 I think in touchdown passes he's in the top 12 in yards per game passing and we're not even a predominantly major passing offense i mean we're we're trying to split it pretty close to 50-50 and that in you have some you know colleges that are predominantly passing and spread everything and we're still almost we're in the top 15 passing so You can't sit here and tell me, like unbiasedly, that CJ Stroud, especially if you just watch him lately and watch some of the the passes that he's dropping in there and his command of the offense, and that he's really making fewer and fewer mistakes and he's really starting to come into his own and get comfortable. You're really seeing what he's capable of. I really like to pride myself on trying to be unbiased when I watch other teams and and not just, you know, be like, I'll screw them. I don't like them. Like I'm watching what I see on the field and I'm taking that information in. I don't see a lot of other quarterbacks in the country that I think is better than him, if any. It's not going to be us. That's my point. Well, I think the other thing that's working against us is that we might have multiple candidates on the team. You know, Trayvon Henderson is going to get some notoriety, and a thing that works with him is knowing that he's a true freshman, not a redshirt freshman, a true freshman that didn't even play his senior year football is coming in and doing this and most likely going to break all of Maurice Claret's uh, freshman records. And I think that works for him in the fact that, man, he's this young and he's doing this. Like, that makes it even more fascinating. But I think when you have both of those on the table, that can hurt each other a little bit. Sometimes that can kind of split votes. I'll put it like this, man. I just
0: feel like the cards are stacked against us. I feel like if Alabama has this huge comeback, they beat Auburn and they end up beating and they end up beating somebody in the Nash- – or I guess it will be Georgia, obviously, in the uh, SEC championship game, they will be ranked number one. They will be ranked number one before uh, the end of the season, before the playoffs start. So my point is, dude, when you have a number one ranked Alabama, okay, and number two, I don't know who would end up there, but I'm just saying, say it's Cincinnati, say we're a three, something like that, I just feel more and more like they find a reason to put them there so they can give out those accolades, and I just feel like that's
1: going to happen, dude. I just do. Yeah, I mean it very well. Could you know that a lot's gonna? Uh, there's gonna be a lot to see when the CFP finally comes out, but none of it's gonna matter if we don't win this weekend. So we need to make sure that we stay focused on this weekend, and then hopefully put up a good performance, like I think we should. Which we'll we'll be addressing that, guys. For those of you who don't know, uh, Chad is actually coming into town this weekend uh, down to Kentucky, um, and we plan on doing our second ever video podcast episode and in that process chad has a prop bet he's got to pay up on you care to uh inform our audience exactly what's going to be happening with that because we did throw it to facebook and the fans and those listeners to see exactly what it is they wanted us to do yeah so there were several things on the table um one of the things was that i have to do a
0: johnsonville italian sausage infomercial every time davis says the word buckeye that was number one uh, that ended up winning, actually. And then number two was our buddy Chaz. Uh, he kind of came up with something where I had to wear an Oscar Mayer wiener hat during the entire <laughs> video podcast. That came in second place, and I was kind of worried a little bit about that. I was too. And, I was too, because I really didn't
1: want to have to do that one.
0: I was like, my God. And then after that, there was a couple of votes for some of the other stuff we had up there, like, you know, giving a over-the-top compliment every time somebody says Buckeye or I can't remember the last one was, but um, mainly, most of the votes came with those two. Um, so long story short, I will be at Davis's house this coming Saturday for the Penn State game, and I will be yielding a five pack of uh, Johnsonville Italian sausage, and I will be the best spokesperson for Johnsonville <laughs> that they have ever had in their life. So, if you're listening to this, Mister Johnsonville's Italian sausage man, I'm broke and I need a sponsorship.
1: Okay, <laughs> so listen to me.
0: I'm going to put together some of the greatest sausage infomercial stuff that you guys have ever heard in your life. So be prepared. Strap up fellows. All right. Cause I'm coming for you.
1: But- so how, how did we get here is the thing. How, how did the listen? I know, but I'm kind of wanting you to maybe there's gotta be someone listening maybe for the first time or missed that episode where this whole sausage thing became an issue. <laughs> and now we're listen, thinking dude. like, why in the hell out of all the things possible, are they wanting to promote Johnsonville Italian sausage of anything?
0: I'm going to tell you this to be
1: totally honest, dude.
0: I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're a man, a woman, whoever you are, okay? At the end of the day, in whatever way you want to take this statement, everybody likes a big old sausage.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I can't even dude (laughs) listen this all this all this all derived this is probably something because we have the same freaking humor and i think this was even a quote from what ace ventura when he's sitting there trying to call out uh or trying to find roger production or not you know what i'm talking about at the end where he's like trying to prove that she's a man right and Takes pants off and he says, Big old Mr. Kanish and yep. talking about big old <laughs> sausage. And I dude, it's all it's all it's all in good fun and humor, but there's just something about it several episodes ago when you initially lost a bet. Not in you had to put up a profile pic on your Facebook, right? Yeah. And of all the pictures that I could have selected for you to put up there, you had made a joke that very episode before that about, mm-hmm. oh, you know, worst thing about putting just a big old sausage up there and just wonder what people would think about it. Just random right so this is how this whole thing came to be and whether it's big old honking snossage or whether it's a mr. Now, in Kanish, my defense, or... though
0: i may have initially brought up the snossage but you kept it going you didn't have to choose
1: that profile pick, but you did well because it was a hell of an idea and i knew what kind of <laughs> I just had an idea of what kind of, uh, I guess reaction you would get from that. And sure enough, I mean, we're not going to share it here, but some of the reactions that you got did not disappoint. So I guess it effectively accomplished what we wanted it to. I have to Um, be honest.
0: I'm proud of all the people that sent me text messages about the profile picture because you did not disappoint.
1: Right (laughs) now, again, we're, we're leaving a lot open to interpretation here. We're not saying anything specific. Other than, hey, you can take it how you want. We found some humor in this. I'm glad some of you guys have too. If you haven't, we apologize. And if that's the case, we're literally just talking about Johnsonville Italian sausage. I mean, it's really good on a game day on the grill, and that's probably (laughs) going to be the route that we take on Saturday. Well, speaking
0: of sausage, Davis, tell them about the prop bet. Tell them how it went and tell them why I'm going to be the greatest Johnsonville sausage uh, infomercial guy ever.
1: Yeah, so you guys don't know. We do three prop bets every week for the game. Uh, When we did it for the Indiana game, we just kind of pick some things that we disagree on on, and we take one side or the other, best out of three. Uh, At the conclusion of the game, wins the prop bet. The first one was Indiana scores 17 points or more. I actually took that one. I said I figured they'd score 17 points or more. You took the under and you actually won that one. But then we went to OSU passing touchdowns, and we set it at five. Chad said five or more, and I don't know why I had an inkling, but I said four or less, and we actually hovered right at four. So I barely escaped by that one, and then we went, who's going to have more receiving yards, Olave or Wilson? Chad took Olave. I took Wilson. And kind of a weird game where Olave still scored a touchdown, only had 24 yards. Olave had – or um, Wilson had 59. So I won the What's last funny two. funny was neither one of them were in the top – Two receiving. Uh-uh. That was Ruckard and uh Smith. or yep. Smith and Jigba. So but yeah, I mean I ended up winning the last two out of three and again it was we were gonna leave it up to vote of Facebook. So it ended up being the that sausage is gonna be the death of us, man. It's I mean, if, if we ever do like t shirts or any sort of product or something that we sell, I feel like that sausage is gonna be our trademark somehow. Mm-hmm. I don't know how or why but that stupid Italian sausage is going to be our trademark. Yeah, I can see it happening
0: 100%. Um, And I've already got some ideas from some people. Like I said, (laughs) oh, man, just please tune in Saturday. Uh, We plan on posting the thing. I'm headed down to Kentucky, you know, in the morning time, and we're going to get on the video and try to get it out by by the 1 o'clock hour-ish. So if you're hovering around waiting for the game to start, man, and looking for something fun, come over and check it out. It's going to be a good time. Uh, we're going to laugh. We're going to joke. And then afterwards, of course, we're going to drink a couple beers and watch the game. Um, It should be a great time. But uh, the video episode
1: is definitely going to be awesome. So make sure you come over and check it out. Just really looking forward to how Chad's going to handle this, uh, this quote unquote infomercial. And I'm going to try to get in as many Buccas as I can during that podcast, just to see how on top of your game you are, to see how many times you could literally come up with something unique to say. So I'm gonna try to stump you a few times, but oh god, don't do it, man. Normally you're on your game, so I think I think we'll be all right. I'm not gonna overdo it. I mean, we don't want to lose viewership in the first five minutes. Like, why? No, we probably lost all the viewership we can right now. (laughs) Probably. (laughs) I mean, what are we? We try to keep this at 30 minutes. Where are we at now? Like 40, 50 minutes? I mean, we're way
0: past that. Um, I look forward to seeing everybody's smiling face over at the Facebook
1: page on Saturday. And um, Davis, tell them where they can find us so as always guys we're on all major streaming services spotify itunes iHeartRadio, amazon music uh probably anything else you can find those streaming services on and we do post these on youtube as well if that's more your uh more more of what you're up uh up for but either way um definitely the video ones um that we're going to be doing this weekend that's going to be mainly more promoted for the youtube page but again the audio version will still be available on all streaming services as well so Again, appreciate you all coming and listening. Um, love getting some of the inter- interaction that we're starting to get. So keep that up. And until then, go Bucks. OH. H.